delivery. Oh, look at that off stump. Hi, everyone. If you're anything like me, you've spent your life chasing wickets. Look no further. Welcome to Wickets. There's plenty to go around, so why don't you phone a friend and tell them to like, follow or subscribe us on Spotify and Apple. Cricket's all about overrates nowadays, and here at Wickets, we are no different at all. We keep our overs to four minutes on the dot, however. Every over brings a different topic and more wickets. I'm Stu McGill, and I'm joined by the magician, Jack Sharp. G'day, Sharpie. Hello, Stewie. How are you? I'm wonderful, mate. Let's roll, buddy. First over today, what's the story? Clock started. What's the story, Morning Glory? Well, unfortunately, we start the day on a, a sad note. Um, one of the great blokes in world cricket, Heath Streak, uh, former Zimbabwean captain, died uh, this week at 49 years old from uh, liver and colon cancer. So very, very sad. Uh, very sad at all, uh, indeed, Sharpie. Yeah, um, a bit of a strange one because a couple of weeks ago, there was a report that he'd passed away, which turned out to be a hoax, and he, he tweeted that he was he was alive and well. And two weeks later, he actually did die, obviously, yeah, going through through illness there. Uh, one of the legends, yeah, 65 test matches, 216 wickets, and uh, played 189 ODIs, uh, 239. ODI wickets uh, could play. You played against him, Stewie, yeah? I did. Yeah, look, and, and to be honest, he was uh, so six foot one, so pretty big bloke, not not big by Australian fast bowling standards, but uh, he's, a, he's a big fella, strong, big heart. And uh, when you, when you he was running in to bowl to you, he, he was barreling in, so big barrel chested. His family were fam, uh, farmers. Um, big, big fella, and it's, it's, it's sort of sad to see... Um, guys like that getting getting ill because you you think they're invincible. He's most known for me for um, trying to struggle through as captain of the, that Zimbabwe side during the the real political turmoil when the farms were getting uh, seized by the the government, and um, he stuck around and 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 tried to stand by his mates who were who were playing for Zimbabwe and really having a hard time. At times, he was even sort of a solo performer for them. Well, he played three test matches against against the Aussies, and you're talking about hard working and toiling and running in. He, of course, played in that game in uh, Perth where Matthew Hayden scored 380. So he was <laughs> running in without any without any success for a long, long time over in Perth, um, a game that you played in. Yep, he he um, he, he definitely did. He actually also captained in um, in England too. He was captain of Warwickshire for a couple of seasons there. Which, uh, as we know, Warwickshire is uh, one of that's uh, Edgebaston. It's one of the great grounds in uh, in English uh, cricket, in English Test cricket and county cricket. So um, he the guy has he obviously could play, and and we're very very sad here at, at Wickets uh, as all of our cricketing colleagues are to to see him go. It's way too early. Um, I wish he was still around, but um, his name will be around for for a long, long time. He's the first Zimbabwean ever to 100 test wickets. Um, 49 years old. Heath Streak, uh, we loved you, mate. Thank you very much for everything you gave to cricket. Um, and we'll leave it there, I think, Sharpie. Second over, magic moments. You mentioned uh, Heath Streak uh, at the Wacker. Yes. So magic moments, I thought, with... Uh with Matthew Hayden scoring that that 380, which was a world record at the time, I think in any sport, uh, it's uh, incredible for an athlete to to break a world record. 
And the highest score in, in Test cricket, there are a lot of people who've got some very high scores in Test cricket, but the world record uh, has only been broken about uh, 10 or 11 times. So I just wanted to go back through through some of them. I, I, I'd start just with, with Len Hutton when he made 364 to, to break Wally Hammond's record. Uh, Len Hutton was 1938 at the Oval. And a lot of people, just before the Second World War, a lot of people at the time said, uh, oh, well, it will never be broken uh, after that because they were, they were moving away from timeless test matches and they thought, well, to score 300, the only way you can do it is have days and days to bat because the, the run rate wasn't generally like it is today. And it, it did actually take 20 years before Sir Garfield Sobers made that wonderful 365 not out in, in Kingston. Um, he could have gone on with a lot more. It's interesting when when Sobers got the uh, got the record against Pakistan. There was a, a pitch invasion, and then as soon as the crowd had dispersed, actually the Pakistanis looked at the wicket and Hanif Muhammad, who wasn't the captain, but Hanif Muhammad looked at the way. Oh, we can't play on like this. So <laughs> they actually finished the day's play early, and then overnight the West Indies declared, and Sobers was left on three six five. Not out, but he could have gone on and perhaps got to the magical 400. Uh, it then took another, what, 35 years, 36 years before one Brian Charles Lara yeah. at uh, at the recreation ground in Antigua made that wonderful 375 against England. I remember watching it live when he pulled Chris Lewis through, uh, uh, through the leg side to, to bring up the record. Chris Lewis, who, of course, famously shaved his head before that tour and then and then got sunstroke, uh, which was interesting, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, then roll on, it was another 10 years. Uh, Lara held the record. Matthew Hayden, as we mentioned, against Zimbabwe over in Perth. Uh, a wonderful 380. And within six months... Brian Lara obviously thought, well, hang on, I'm back in Antigua now. I'm playing against England. Why not go out and take my record back? And he, of course, scored a magnificent 400 not out. Um, and Lara, of course, has a first-class record when he made uh, over 500 for Warwickshire. So, yeah, there, there are a lot of players have had some wonderful 300s, triple uh, 100s, but uh, the record itself has only been held uh, about a dozen times. So, uh, I, I just thought I'd mention as well just magic moments. Today being September the 5th, uh, 2023, 50 years ago to the day, yes. is the first ever uh, ODI played by the West Indies. Okay. It was, uh, yeah, it was played in England, at Headingley in England. It was a thrilling game. The Windies made 181. It was a 55 over game then, and England chased it down 182 for nine with three balls to spare. Uh, Derek Underwood, would you believe? <laughs> Deadly Derek. And, uh, and Bob Willis steered the ship home with Sir Garfield Sobers, who played, that was his, Garfield Sobers' only one-day international, and he got a duck. He well, got a duck. So Sobers is only ODI. He got a duck, and um, yeah, that was fifty years ago today. And what a shame the West he got Indies a duck, Chappy, in and the overs, World Cup. The overs finished, buddy. The that overs is, finished. Stiff. That's, the that's, bad luck, buddy. So that's magic moment. <laughs> that is time for the third over. Ua, my favourite. Ua, South Africa. As you know, people, uh, South Africa and Australia have just completed a T20 series. Um, 
Mitchell Marsh, it was his first occasion as captain of Australia, um, and he was man of the series. It was, uh, it was it was pretty disappointing from the South Africans' point of view, wasn't it, Sharpie? Well, 3-0, um, comprehensively too, Mitch Marsh. I mean, the first game, 92 off 49, just smashed it everywhere. I thought what was interesting, um, in game one, Marcus Stoinis took the new ball. Yep. In game two, he played and didn't bowl. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then in game three, Stornis took the new ball again. But Mitch Marsh, yeah, yeah, 92 off 49 in the first, but then he backed it up in the second game, 79 off just 39. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was 100, 100, 168 has, runs in two games. Yeah, and he had his relished in the, in the captaincy, obviously. Um, some other notable performances, Tanvir Sanger took for in the first game and then and that was the rotation policy and that was that was, was that his game too sharpie that was his first game so that's that wasn't just in the first game of the tour that was his first game for australia so four on debut let me just say a little bit about it because he's a, a new south wales leggy so i'm quite you know quite proud to you know have a blue cap on that head um you know for some of the year at least um he was obviously a, a perfect example of what you can do if you turn the ball and you've got some runs on the board, because um, he, yeah. he he just bowled like the house on fire. One of his wickets, though, which I want to point out to you, Sharpie, was your, your mate uh, Brevis, Devolt Brevis, who was, as we said in, in previous weeks of wickets, was the, the highest run scorer in the World Under-19s Championship uh, last year. Earlier this year, he um, he was he was out for ten to Tanvir Sanger. I think it might have even been one of his first wickets, and then he made a duck in the second game, and he was dropped for the third. So, welcome to the big boys competition, Brevis. <laughs> what you said, my boy. I, I He's your he boy. Was, uh... <laughs> oh dear. Uh, yeah, with this rotation. Um... Yeah, interesting. I, I think it's fair enough, I suppose, in, T, in T20, maybe. They, they played so many T20 games that there, there are a lot of like-for-like. Spencer Johnson was the other one. So he played the, the first game, the left-armer, uh, and then they didn't play him in the second game, and he came in in the third game as well. So were you... Uh, are you a fan of rotation? Well, look, Sharpie, I've got a I've got a whole lot to say about rotation, which I might save for next week, actually, because um, it's a, it's a very very interesting theory that comes from another sport. Again, you know, I like cross pollinating my sports, but rotation for me, um, I don't think it was my favourite thing when I was playing. But if I think about it more clearly, I was rotated a lot. So um, let me just say, as a teaser for next week, I am a fan. Um, in in other news uh, from from the series, um, Travis Head made his best ever T Twenty score. He made eighty in that third game. But nobody who's watched him bat in Big Bash uh, would be surprised about that. He he, I think first got his chance for Australia in Australian colours um, when he had been doing so well um, for the Strikers. So yep. yeah, he's he's a, he's a dynamic player. There's no doubt. Yeah, and the last thing is Sean Abbott in the wickets. Sean Abbott, three for in the second game and then backed it up with four for in, in game three. Yeah, so, uh, he was man yeah, of the match on the, in on one the of back those. Of some yeah. wonderful big, yeah, yeah, that's right. On the, on the back of some wonderful big bash form for the Sixers over, over the years. Uh, yeah, Sean Abbott, the man. End of over, gentlemen. Fourth over, Sharpie. Going global. Yeah, so quite a lot happening around the world. I'll, I'll rattle through it. In, in Red Bull, we have Australia A playing New Zealand A in the second unofficial test. 
just one day's play into that. Uh, the Kiwis, 277. Mitchell Perry and Liam Hatcher, four wickets each. Wow. And the other red ball... Yeah, Red Bull, the other side of the world, the county championship has, has kicked off again. It's weird. You just never know when it's on. It's back and forth, <laughs> and then there's the 100, and there's this. And, yeah, just a couple of games left. Surrey, uh, top of Division 1, and Durham, the top of Division 2. But, as I said, a couple of games to play there. We mentioned Australia-South Africa in the T20s, 3-0. They actually now play five ODIs, so good preparation for the World Cup next month. Uh, the Kiwis are... In England, playing white ball, um, England won the first two T20s comfortably enough. And then game three, the Kiwis fought back and had a win. Okay. Finn Allen with uh, 83 off 53. The big talk in the first two games was Harry Brook, who made uh, a swashbuckling 43 and then backed it up with 67 in the second game. And, of course, he's not in England's squad for this 50-over World Cup. Right. Talk of trying to... Try to get him in there so, somehow. So, Sharpie, yeah, just to, to interrupt you there. Um, so, being on the okay. in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment, so you're getting a, a bit more of the press from that particular series. Is there talk of uh, is there talk of baseball in white ball cricket? Well, no. It's just all they're talking about is the fact that they're the holders of the World Cup um, right. from from Owen Morgan's team and how they're going to try and defend it. Not really baseball. It's not spoken about as baseball. As such, um, yeah, that I've heard. Baseball is just a good. test match. It's just a it? test but, match uh, thing, right? They might. Well, they might morally win the World Cup as well. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the Asia Cup. So, as predicted by most, Pakistan in, and India are probably going to go through from uh, into the into the last four in in Group One, and Sri Lanka, Bangladesh in in the other group, uh, Nepal and. Afghanistan will will miss out there. Pakistan and India uh, all set for the first ODI in four years that they've played against each other. Yeah, right. And unfortunately, unfortunately the weather got the better of it. Uh, we only got one innings in. India were 66 for four and struggling a bit, but uh, they ended up making 266 before the rain came. Um, in the CPL, yes, and we'll probably cover cover this uh, in the next topic. We had the first red card, the first send off. Well, it's lucky. It's, it's lucky. Form. It's lucky you should say yeah. that, Sharpie, because you got ten seconds left. Well, it was Raheem Cornwell with a hundred of forty-five balls. So that, that was the big news. And the, uh, the women's CPL, the Barbados Royals, are three from three, and the England under nineteens against the Australia under nineteens. Their two test matches start later this week with the Aussies winning the ODI series. Okay. So that's, uh, that's going global for good, another week. Good work, Sharpie. End of over. <laughs> okay. So, and may I quickly say... No, you may, may not. No, say, no, you may not. No, no, this isn't on going global. This isn't on going global. We've finished going global. We've finished that. But, but thanks to everyone for the feedback for going global because most people can't be bothered looking it all up. They just listen to the four minutes and now they know what's going on in world cricket. So that's okay. not part of the over. It's just a separate comment. Well, <laughs> you know, courtesy courtesy of your little indiscretion there, you've just chopped 30 seconds off our fifth over, which is in and out. So thank you very much for that. We'll, we'll make it up. But look, I'm sure we'll you'll make, make it up in some way or another. Um, <laughs> the problem, you know, the problem with me, Sharpie, I can't finish a sentence. So there's another 40 seconds gone. But anyway, this is the fifth <laughs> over, in and out. 
And fortunately for you, it does relate to that going global segment. So it's a little bit of a flow on. And there's a minute gone. Um, We had, as you mentioned, in the CPL, the first ever send-off in cricket. Kyron Pollard, uh, who was playing for the Trinbago Knight Riders, uh, was forced to send Sunil Narayan off in the 20th over. Very, very exciting times, especially for a product that is all about over rates. What do you think, Sharpie? Yeah, uh, so three, three, like a bravo, bowling, Pollard, captain, Narayan, off you go. Three, uh, three West, West, three West Indian mercenaries in the T Twenty world. Um, I actually spoke to to Lorcan Tucker, who was the is the Irish international, but was actually the keeper at the time on the field, and and he said, I think when you have when you have six fielders in the ring, two outside, as a man in the sheds, and an umpire waving a, a red card, you know that something strange is happening. So <laughs> uh, they certainly had a few holes in the field for the for the last over um, and as Lorcan said it's the kind of rule you wouldn't want to be having if you were fielding second no. so he, he's not he's not sure if it'll last the course but I mean I think these days that the, the way the batsmen play a full 360 um, missing one player is uh, is a big deal so I like it I, I like, like it. it too Shuffy I, I actually wish that it was in the, the 50 over game as well I, I think I think it's a great thing I, I saw um, this week that um, in the big in the big bash we don't send people off yet yet but look anybody from cricket Australia is that listening that's listening um, I would love to see a red card in the big bash I think I think it's a great I think it's a great gimmick and I think it's a great addition to the game, particularly when overrates are the most important thing. In Big Bash, um, if you don't start the 20th over before the 79th minute, you're only allowed four outside the ring instead of five. So we do have a little bit of a restriction there, but it's just not as harsh as that red card. And consequently, after the red card send-off, um, Ashton Agar came out in the press Um and he said that he felt that uh, the players were under, that he didn't think it would work at all and that overrates were slower than they've ever been because of the stress that bowlers had been put under. Well, I like Ashton Agar a lot, but that's an absolute pile of shit. So um, <laughs> there's got to be a mirror somewhere at that house that he can look into but uh, because overrates are a problem in world cricket at the moment and... Um, you know, as somebody who plays a lot of white ball cricket, I think he should really get on board this uh, red card thing. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, 50 over um, red cards, why not? Yeah, why not? I look, why not? And, and you know what? It's kind of a little bit exciting. Uh, and I, 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 I think maybe you could do it from the eight, you know, the, the 40th over in a, in, in a 50 over game. Yeah, well, they all say that the 50 over game is the one of the, of the three formats is the one that, Struggling, although we got the World Cup next month, which everyone is looking forward to. So, end end yeah, of over, Sharpie. We're in the sixth over now, and this is actually uh, another segment that I've uh, recently chucked in there just because I love the sound of my own voice. So this is Stu's story, sixth over. Today, Sharpie, yeah. my, uh, my Stu's story is about one of the greats of commentary, um, of the microphone, and of Australian cricket, Richie Benno. So... Strap yourself in, mate. Grab yourself a glass of orange juice because it's early in the morning there in uh, in Ireland. And I'll, let me tell you a little bit about me and Richie, my mate Richie Benno. So, look, for everybody who um, has been watching cricket and listening to cricket around the world, not just in Australia, uh, but around the world since the, uh, the 60s, really, 
Um, Richie Benno has been a big part of broadcasting. Um, obviously, former captain of Australia, leg spin bowler, but more importantly, captain and leader of any team that he was a part of. He was a leader on the field and he was a leader off the field. And by the time I moved to New South Wales, he was sort of, you know, the voice of cricket, if you like, and a little bit intimidating. Um, his wife, Mrs. Benno, Daphne Benno, we always, um, Richie always called her Mrs. Benno and we always called her Mrs. Benno. Um, nowadays, when I meet her, I'm allowed to, to call her Daphne. Um, but uh, I think that's, you know, because we've known each other now for 30 years. But um, Richie uh-huh. himself, it was quite funny. when The first time I met him, I was very, very nervous. Mark Taylor actually introduced me to him. Um, I'd, just, um, I'd just taken um, a bunch of wickets for Australia in the Ashes. Um, so this is 98-99 series. And uh, the SCG trusted uh, to thank me for doing so well, had given me a box at the, the One Day Internationals, which I wasn't playing. So I was kind of having a bit of a rest, but I took 20 of my mates down to the cricket and we had a suite at the, uh, the SCG for one of the One Days. And Channel 9 asked me if I'd like to go and uh, do some commentary um, and, um, with Richie. And I said, oh, well, of course, you know, and I had not really met him before. I'd met him just to say hello to um, but he's, you know, very understated. He didn't really say much. Um, so I walked over to the commentary booth and, um, you know, I'd had a, a couple of glasses of uh, Ponding 127, uh, sure as, <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> but um, I, I went over to the commentary box and Richie, in the back of the commentary booth was uh, Mark Taylor and Ian Botham. And at the back, you can't really hear anybody in the back of the commentary booth because they're very directional mics, but... Richie said to me, so, Stewie, um, what's your next game for um, New South Wales? Um, And I said, well, as you know, Richie, um, New South Wales plays a one-day game uh, on February the 14th, Valentine's Day, when I'll be expecting a bunch of cards, P.O. Box 333 Paddington 2021. And at the back of the commentary booth, Mark Taylor and Ian both are rolling around on the floor saying, you can't say that. It's like advertising on TV. And like Richie's just blank face, just not, just not even looking at me, just looking at the field. And he must have been, because I was sort of giggling to myself because I thought it was a ridiculous comment. Um, but at the, then we went to a, a break between overs and, uh, in between overs, Richie has obviously arranged something. We come back from, um, the advertising break and on the screen was the hill of the time. And there were some babes on, on the screen, um, various states of undress, um, sunning themselves, looking like they're having a great time. And Richie just said nothing. It was just complete silence. And then after about, I'd say, five seconds, he just said, just trying to help you out, Stewie. <laughs> I fell off my chair. <laughs> I just can't imagine the whole commentary completely broke up. I don't think Richie even broke a smile, but that was the sort of guy he was. He was ridiculous. The next time I spoke to him, he, um, he'd been press-ganged into uh, doing some commentary for a uh, a mercantile mutual match up in Newcastle. And Brad McNamara, mm-hmm. who was a New South Wales guy, you know, buzzed well, 
um, Buzzard and uh, he'd arranged dinner with uh, with Richie for me, which was a, a, a real treat because rather than just sort of spending two, three minutes with him, I got the opportunity to spend, you know, the whole evening with him. And um, um, just prior to that, um, I you know, I'd, I'd read about one of the, the greats of New South Wales cricket uh, passing away who was a big fan of um, Keith Miller who was a, a big fan of uh, classical music. And I said to, to Richie, I said, oh, look, because I was trying to work out what to talk to Richie about. And I said, Richie, so, you know, Valentine's Day, uh, sorry, um, you know, classical music, Keith Miller, were you in, what sort of music were you into? And Richie said, well, Stewie, it depends where you are in Australia because, uh, you know, obviously if you're in Queensland, um, you'd be listening to Vivaldi, the Four Seasons, because uh, different, uh, you know, different seasons, three or four days in a row, and then there's a big thunderstorm comes in, and and so he'd say that to me, and I loved, I loved that sort of story. But then he said to me, but most importantly, Stewie, you've got to set up your home office when you uh, when you arrive in a new hotel room. Um, you know, what I normally do is I call down to room service, I ask for Wi-Fi password, seventy five year old man. I asked for three bottles of white, three yeah. bottles of red, three bottles of still mineral water, three bottles of sparkling mineral water, and then I'm set for the whole time. And every day at 5 p.m., I raise a glass to Mrs. Benno because I know that wherever she is in the world, I love her very much. Cheers, Daphne. Now, this is the final countdown. We could call it the seventh over if you like, Sharpie, but in effect, it's just where we wrap things up. As I mentioned earlier, it's 30 days to go until the Cricket World Cup. There's three days to go till the Rugby World Cup. What have you got for me from Ireland? Well, yes. 5th of October will be England versus New Zealand at the Narendra Modi Stadium in Ahmedabad. So, very looking forward to that. Uh, all the talk in Ireland at the moment, though, is about the Rugby World Cup starting this Friday, also with the Kiwis taking on the host, France. Um, I'm looking forward to to, to watch it. I, I, I don't watch a lot of rugby these days, um, but I'm really looking forward to this one. With the way the draw is, with uh, a lot of the big guns all lobbed into one side of the draw, yep. it's going to be very, very interesting. And for all the Australian listeners, I think the Wallabies are a massive chance of going deep in this. Um, Eddie Jones polarises opinion, really, but uh, I think Eddie Jones might end up being a bit of a hero after this. I think the Wallabies can can get to a semi-final and possibly even a final. So, well, yeah, that's what I'm looking looking. That's what I'm looking forward to this week, the start of the rugby. Well, there we go, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That's Stumps. Uh, thanks for listening. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which is at Wickets Two Hundred Eight at Wickets Two Hundred Eight on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we'll speak to you again all next week. Goodbye, Sharpie. I love you, mate. Cheers, Stewie. What a beauty. What a